morning, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on WDAY, 701-293-9000. That's your local call-in number. 888-970-9329. That's your toll-free number. You can email me too, talk at WDAY.com. Good afternoon, Nathiel. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing today, Rob? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, obviously, following what's going on down at the uh, the protest camp. Yeah, it's been a busy day down there. Watching some live streams and things like that. Um, and I, I, I guess you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been, I've been watching all this. I, I mean, it's, it's a tense situation. Um, law enforcement are there in force. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of it's, it's a very fluid situation right now, but. Overall, so far, so good, it seems, right? I mean, it seems like, you know, there's there's a little bit of resistance. Some people, you know. There, there not, definitely have been some arrests. Amy Dahl. They're, they're resisting, had, right? And there's there's arrests. You're right. But the, but it seems like violence has been off the table, which is. It's not right. Which is relieving. Not like it was last year where, you know, they were setting fires. They were throwing rocks. They were throwing Molotov cocktails. Um, you know, they were actively confrontational with police. This is more like, you know, catch me if you can type thing going on down there, which, you know, I, I wish that they would just close up camp and leave. The, the tribe has asked them to leave. The state has asked them to leave. The federal government has asked them to leave. Stop playing games. You made your point. Go home. Um, but at least the rock throwing and that kind of stuff seems to be over for now. Uh, Governor Doug Burgum is going to be joining us, coming up here in a little bit uh, on the program. Uh, he's going to be on uh, talking about the situation down there at the camps, the ongoing efforts to uh, to clean up. He'll be give his, giving us an update, so please uh, stay tuned for that. Um, also, some breaking news. You remember yesterday we were talking about the program, and I, I praised it, uh, to get some, some bus tickets and hotel rooms and some supplies and, and, and get people out of there. The state of North Dakota yeah, was yeah. paying for that. So, first of all, not a lot of them used it. Turns out they gave out five bus tickets, uh, three of which were actually used. They gave out four hotel rooms. Um, and now the program has been canceled because they were, there were two separate incidents of violence, uh, apparently, at, at, the, at the hotel rooms. Uh, and one of the, at least one of the hotel rooms got, as it was described to me, trashed. Oh, fabulous. So that program is no more. They are the state of North Dakota is still offering bus tickets for those interested. You can contact the state, I guess, if there's if there's protesters who want to get out of the area. They are still giving out bus tickets, uh, but the Comfort Inn is is apparently isn't interested in, in hosting, playing host anymore, and the state is not offering hotel vouchers anymore. So that's where that stands. Um, and it didn't sound like a lot of them were using the program anyway for whatever reason. There are other camps down there that they're moving to on private land. Um, so, so those camps have been established. I don't know how many have moved to there or what, what that population looks like. Maybe that's something we can ask the governor when he comes on, but that's the situation as it stands right now. Um, and again, I'm, I am just happy that we're getting through this, that so far there doesn't seem to be a lot of violence. I'm actually watching right now. There's a standoff. It looks like the protesters, the, the protest camp, was butted right up against the river. And I guess I'm having a hard time seeing if this is like Lake Oahe that they're on or if this is like the creek that they're on. I'm not sure. It's a little hard to tell. But basically, you know, the camp's sort of surrounded by creeks and rivers. 
and the protesters have been backed up out onto the ice. You know, they've they fled out onto the ice, so they're out there, which, you know, y- you hope there's not a situation. I know it's been very warm. It's cooler today down there, but it's been very warm. I hope it's not a situation where somebody, you know, falls through the ice or something like that. But, again, I, I, I think what I'm what I'm rooting for, what a lot of people are rooting for, is just let's get through this without getting anybody hurt on, on either side. Um Although, and, and the one thing that has frustrated me from, from the get-go, and it's been, it's been such a, and, and, and maybe, maybe I don't even need to make this point anymore, but you, you see it so often where, where people talk about the militarized police, and you could see it. I mean, you could see it in the pictures. You could see it in the video. You know, the cops are out there in force. They got armored vehicles, armored Humvees. You know, they're wearing riot gear, helmets, body armor. You know, they've certainly heavily armed. Um, you know, they showed up in force and they're criticized for that. You know, everybody, oh, you know, look at what they're doing. It's militarized, militarized police. It's et cetera, et cetera. And, and then they criticize the police for, for taking down people who are resisting arrest or what have you. And what's frustrating to me about that is, is the degree to which the protesters themselves necessitate those things. Right. I mean, I have, I have had no problem being critical of law enforcement you know I, I don't i don't believe in that law enforcement's a sacred cow I, I i think that they need to be held accountable as much as anybody else but you cannot create a situation where you're throwing rocks setting booby traps right i mean that was something we saw where they were hiding like propane bottles and in, in hay bales last year you can't do those things you can't actively resist arrest and then complain when law enforcement responds to that by, you know, physically taking you down or protecting themselves with armored vehicles and riot gear. I, I'm sure that the cops, I'm sure if you interviewed the cops who are on the ground right down that right now down at the camps and you asked them where they would rather be right now, I, I could tell you it's not wearing a bunch of body armor standing in that camp. They don't want to be there either. But who created this situation? You know, it's the protesters. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Got a caller. Craig, what's up? Rob, uh, National News has been... Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. National News has been less than fair over the past few months. Last night on ABC News at 5.30 that happens to be WDAY... They're telling the story about how the protesters have to get out by X hours and all that. And they, the end of their story was a, a, a girl crying how she does not want to be arrested or beat up. Not one word about how they offered them bus trips. Not one word about hotels, nothing. So they wanted to paint the picture for the nation this poor girl doesn't know what to do. She'd like to leave, but can't because she's scared she's going to be arrested or beat up. How unfair is that? You know, it, it is unfortunate, and, and it is amazing. And, and, and again, not many of the protesters took the state of North Dakota up on that offer, but the offer was there. I mean, it was a good faith offer. And that's that's really been the unfortunate thing. I, I, I think what, and I, I actually just wrote my, my Sunday newspaper column about this earlier today. Behind the curtains of of this protest movement 
there has been a very, very slick media operation. And I could speak to this because I'm on all the press release lists for all the groups that are behind this. And every time there's an every time there's a flare up, every time there's there's an incident or a new court ruling or whatever, my inbox is inundated with press releases. And social media is inundated with with you know activists promoting a, a specific narrative about this. And it that's how it shows up in the media. And and I will here here's here's just a, a, a plain simple fact. The groups organizing this protest are better at communicating to the media than the state of North Dakota is. They just are. They're better at it. Now, I'm not saying that's right or that it's justified or whatever, but they're better at they're better at, at presenting their narrative or getting their narrative through the media to the American people than the state of North Dakota, than law enforcement, than the pipeline company, than all of them. They're just better at and it. They, now, and they also have the Fondas on their side that – Oh yeah, lean all the news media they can, and and they're not above telling lies about the whole thing either. Sure, yeah, you have you have the celebrity factor, um, and and that's that's what's been amazing to me is how often celebrities get away with with saying things that are just not true, uh, get away with with saying things you know exaggerations, getting away with saying things that are are lies that are fabrications. And they get away with it because I think, you know, there's this, well, they're just a celebrity, right? I mean, it's not like it's, it's not like it's the governor talking, right? So, so why should we, why should we fact check a celebrity or so? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but you're right. I mean, they have the celebrities on their side with their huge platforms to communicate with people. They have their own very highly trained media people that are very, very good at social media that are very, very good. And they get their side of the story out. And that's the side that, that wins in the media. And I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's just because it's it's so much easier for the reporters to just pick up that narrative. I don't know if it's because a lot of reporters are ideologically inclined to agree with them. I don't know. But that's what happens. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port, here on WDAY, 701-293-9000, Next segment, Governor Doug Burgum is going to be on the program, so stay tuned for that. Um, got a couple of questions via email here, and certainly you can send yours as well, talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Terry emails with two questions. Uh, what is the status of the burned children, uh, and is there any truth to the guy with the broken hip? Was he injured at all? Okay, so the first one was, you know, yesterday we got a report from the state uh, that there were some 20 fires uh, set. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of reasons given for the fires. Some, I guess, were saying there were ceremonial fires with some sort of a, a spiritual meaning. Uh, I, I can't speak to that. Uh, some others were saying it was just easier to burn some of the structures that they had built illegally on core land. Um, it was just easier to burn them than than to haul them away uh, piece by piece. Uh, but there were, you know, some 20 fires uh, uh, set. Two people were, were injured. Uh, one was a 7-year-old boy. The other was a 17-year-old girl. I don't know about the status of the boy. I do know that the 17-year-old girl, the last I had heard, 
uh, had to be uh, sent to Minneapolis uh, for treatment. So obviously a very, very serious situation there. There was some sort of an explosion, apparently. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if they were burning something and there was something in the fire that they weren't expecting. Uh, but that happened. And last I had heard, the 17-year-old girl was, was taken to Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, specifically for treatment. Um, the, the guy with the broken hip, that was somebody, you know, we have amid the protesters, some of the, some of the activists call themselves journalists and, you know, carry around cameras or whatever. Uh, one of them was, you know, sort of a, a you know, a resisting arrest was evading the officers. There's, there's video on, on, on social media. If you want to see it, uh, got tackled, claimed that he had a broken hip. The last I heard about that gentleman is he had been medically cleared and as of last night was in jail. Uh, now, I don't know if he's been bailed out since or whatever, but he was arrested and he was cleared medically. Uh, and as far as I know, does not have a broken hip. So uh, let's see. Sheila emails. Uh, Can you tell us where you are watching the live feed? I have two nephews out there who are state troopers. Thanks for the job you do on reporting the truth on this. The stories uh, my nephews could would. My the stories my nephews tells uh, would turn your stomach. Um, OK, so the live feed it's actually one of the pro-protest groups. Uh, they're called Unicorn Riot. You can search for them on Facebook. They have a Facebook live stream going. Um, their commentary is is obviously very one-sided. They're very much on, on the protester side of this. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories and stuff like that during the commentary. But if you mute that, they've got a, uh, a pretty high-def uh, you know, picture going, pretty good vantage point. So check that out. That's what I've been watching. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329, email talk at WDAY.com. Um, I don't know what to tell I'm, I am just I am just very looking forward to this being over. Um, I would have to agree with you there. I, I mean, the fact of the matter is that these people are, the, the protesters specifically, aren't being told that they can't continue to protest. There's still camps on non-core land. So I don't think that, the protesting is going to be over by any stretch of the imagination when today is over and done with. But this particular aspect does need to be resolved. And I'm glad that we're finally getting to that point. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, first of all, the, the establishment of this camp was completely irresponsible. I mean, when you have to haul 250 truckloads of garbage out, you know, I, last I heard a fact, I think it was up to like 350. Um, I mean, you look at the camp now, you can tell a lot has been cleaned up and cleared out. Um, I don't know how much the protesters are responsible for that. I mean, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers had people in there. Uh, the tribe had people in there. Um, you know, I, I mean, so it's this camp had to be cleared up, cleaned out. It was established irresponsibly. I don't care what side of the pipeline issue you're on. This camp was irresponsible. And, and by the way, the only time law enforcement has interfered with protest activities is when they've done them in places where they're not allowed to do them, you know, when, when they're on private property, right, or they're, like, you know, locking themselves to construction equipment or setting that construction equipment on fire, which they've also done. You know, those are the times that law enforcement has interceded. I, I There is this narrative being pushed that militarized police are out there crushing dissent and, you know, beating up, you know, peaceful, prayerful people. And honestly, if, if you I mean, if you watch the videos, if you follow it closely and you cut through some of the headline and, and some of the some of the demagoguery we get from from the political observers. What you see is law enforcement that has consistently said you are allowed to protest. 
But you're not allowed to protest, say, in the middle of a highway. You're not allowed to protest by lighting construction equipment on fire, right? You're not allowed to protest by barging into the Capitol, state Capitol, and refusing to leave. That's when law enforcement's interceded. I, it is unfortunate to me, and it is, I mean, North Dakota law enforcement has taken this on the chin um, from day one. You know, they, they are on the front line. If you watch some of the live streams, the abuse that gets hurled at them, I have had, um, you know, members of law enforcement who are Native American, who are Hispanic, who are African American, talk about racial epithets being thrown at them. Um, you know, it's been ugly. I mean, that's that's the situation that they've been in. That's what they've been living with. And some of them have been down there, you know, a lot. I mean, they're spending days, weeks away from, from their homes, away from their families, you know, no nobody gets paid enough to, to go through crap like that. And we do a lot for our cops. And I, I think North Dakota is very good about honoring our cops. There's a very strong, you know, community out there supporting law enforcement. But, you know, it is it is it is unfair the way they are, are spoken of by some, uh, you know. And, and there's just so much, there's been so much misinformation around this. It, it, it's really been... It's really been remarkable just as a case study in in modern activism in 2017. I, I hope this isn't the new tactic, but it, it seems like it. I mean, you go from Occupy Wall Street to Black Lives Matter to No Dapple. I mean, this is the this is the model, right? Break the law, fight the cops, flood the courts. I hope it stops being effective. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Doug Burgum, coming up next. Don't go away. Report. I'm going to be joined by uh, Governor Doug Burgum here in just a moment. Emailer says, crap like this will settle down when we are able to finally hold somebody financially responsible for all the damage caused by the protesters. Uh, that was actually, I, I think the state of Minnesota is, is they have some sort of, and I haven't read the legislation, but it's I think it's addressing the Black Lives Matters protests there where they blocked like freeways and highways and stuff. Uh, and it would it would create some level of civil liability, I, I guess, for protest organizers who who do that sort of thing. Interesting piece of legislation worth looking into. Joining me right now, Governor Doug Burgum. Uh, Governor Burgum, first, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Great, Rob. Great to be with you. I think we're all watching, uh, obviously, what's happening down in the camps right now. How do you feel about how things are going? Well, I think uh, just first of all, I just want to say our law enforcement uh, in the state of North Dakota, you know, which has come from Sheriff's departments across the state, police departments across the state, our highway patrol, our game and fish, uh, everybody that's been involved, our park rangers from state of North Dakota parks, uh, you know, our, everybody from our National Guard that's rotated through there. Uh, incredible team effort, great execution. Uh, we've had, you know, strong support. Well, we, well we've, uh, have, uh, 
haven't had all the federal support we've wanted. We've had through the emergency management compact, we've had support. We've got 22 officers that are here from Indiana right now, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Wyoming, South Dakota, of other states, Wisconsin's offered to send people. So we've been getting good help from other states. And then we do have had, uh, you know, good coordination with the Bureau of Indian Affairs, who is up their level of law enforcement on the reservation. Uh, they've been uh, an important part of this with the uh, checkpoint on the south of the camps. But, you know, all around, big, complex, dangerous operation to uh, clear this kind of camp. But the combination of law enforcement with the uh, the diplomatic efforts with the uh, humanitarian, if you want to call it, efforts with the flood emergency relief efforts to get people out of the camp. Uh, it's been very, you know, been yesterday was a fantastic day and today's going very well. If you're watching online, I think the latest is we're up to about 33 arrests today from people that were obstructing our ability to clean the camp. But we've got backhoes in the camp starting to remove structures uh, and even uh, now all of what was called Facebook Hill. Uh, the high ground uh, within the camp has been vacated. I uh, just spoke to uh, a member of my uh, of the, our team that was down there, part of the governor's office that was on Facebook Hill, and uh, uh, Ace, Ace uh, Towing is getting in there. We're finally getting some of these derelict cars that are out, but, you know, still unbelievable amounts of trash, garbage, and human waste that's there. But it's, uh, uh, it's uh, great that we can get started with the next phase of the cleanup. <clears throat> 701-293-9000 if you got questions, 888-970-9329. Um, how, do, how do you feel, uh, what, what level of communication have you had with the tribe during this? Because I, I'm still hearing, you know, some of these live streams, you hear people talking about, you know, this is this is land of the Great Sioux Nation. And, and obviously the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe passed a resolution officially back in January saying it's time to go home. Uh, what, I mean, so, so what, I mean, can you tell us about uh, as this process has unfolded, what what communication you've had with with Standing Rock and Chairman Archambault? Well, the the communication with Chairman Archambault has been uh, regular, uh, you know, regular and I mean frequent and sometimes lengthy. I've, I've uh, talked to him, uh, you know, live uh, earlier this week uh, for a couple hours. Part of that was we were you know trying to reestablish uh, an elk season between the North Dakota Game and Fish and the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. But of course, when you're there, you end up talking about the protests. I've had two uh, phone calls with him this week. The latest one was last night uh, after we got done with the day one uh, efforts because we, and then we've got at the, uh, at through, you know, Scott Davis, Bureau of Indian Affairs from North Dakota, we've been working uh, sort of arm in arm with the tribal EPA folks on cleanup uh, with tribal contractors that have been in there the last three weeks working on cleanup. Uh, we've been working with, you know, people, representatives from Cannonball, Cannonball District, with you know, there's uh, members from the Cannonball Districts that are part of the larger tribal council. So I, I'd say we've got it on many different levels. You know, EPA, Game and Fish, BIA, uh, tribal council, tribal chairman, multiple layers. And so we've been in constant com- contact. Uh, but the 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 thing to remember for again for the listeners is the tribe was not in control of the camp, and the tribe often didn't know quote who the camp leadership was. So that took uh, effort you know, extra efforts to try to establish uh, relationships. And we've been able to build those relationships over the last two and a half weeks. The initial cleaning work that we were doing, removing dumpsters, pervaded the, created the opportunity for us to start understanding uh, this uh, fluid leadership structure in the camp and to try to be able to identify and communicate with people to help, help everybody understand uh, what was happening yesterday and what was happening today. And I think that, you know, the communication is one of the reasons why we've had, uh, you know, such a smooth operation the last two days. 
We have a uh, caller, Joe, with a question. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, good afternoon, Governor. Good afternoon, Rob. Um, my two-part question for the governor, and maybe, Rob, you can answer this as well, is, you know, A, I want to thank you first for, you know, your decisiveness in clearing out the camp and getting this, you know, what could be an ecological disaster in the springtime. Getting that done, so I want to thank you, Governor, for doing that. You're welcome. Thank but you. My question, my, my question to you, Governor, is how much do you anticipate this total cost being um, and I know you said, I know your attorney general is saying that, you know, they're going to sue the federal government to, you know, recoup some of that cost. But as a North Dakota taxpayer, how much do you think I'll be on the hook for, you know, in the short term? And then the second part is, you know, a year from now, two years from now, when the pipe's installed and this has all subsided, what are you going to do as governor to, you know, repair some of the relationships with those native tribes that are, you know, they're still part of the North Dakota, you know, uh, they're citizens of North Dakota, this country. What, what, are you, what is your administration going to do to mend those fences to say, hey, you know, we may have had our disagreements in the past about this and it subsided now the pipes in, but well, I mean, what, what's your plan, I guess, two to four years from now? Okay, thank you. Well, let, let me talk finances first. Uh, the, the law enforcement uh, spend is going to dwarf the cleanup spending because we're into the law enforcement, I think, close to $33 million dollars of, of law enforcement that we spent. So that is a, a, that's a big tab. And the, your question is, you know, I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I, I think that North Dakota taxpayers should be paying zero dollars out of that. And we're going to work uh, whatever channels we have, whether it's through grants, whether it's through agencies, or uh, through legislation at the federal level, or if in last, uh, you know, as a last resort, as the Attorney General of North Dakota has said, we, you know, would be a real willingness to sue the federal government for reimbursement. So as I've been telling everybody through this thing, keep your receipts, uh, because we want to make sure that we can articulate the full cost of this. The cleanup effort last night, the uh, Colonel Henderson from the Corps of Engineers uh, was suggesting a uh, number, I think, in the $1.2 million was a, a number that he threw out. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, I, I think when people are getting into the camp today and you look at the scale, uh, when you're down in there, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that number runs up uh, higher number than that. That those reimbursement dollars should be fairly straightforward because the between FEMA and the Army Corps, there are budgets and there are grant dollars that can go towards uh, environmental remediation and cleanup. So I think that's easy. The law enforcement is going to be the tougher uh, uh, the tougher battle, but we'll fight hard on that one. On your second question on the tribal piece, uh, you know this is uh, something that even before the whole. Uh, protest camp started last spring when Brent Sanford and I ran. We said, look, we want to be governor and lieutenant governor for everybody in the state, whether that was with, you know, three affiliated tribes or uh, Spirit Lake, Fort Berthold, uh, Sisseton, or, or Standing Rock. You know, we want to be for everybody because there are big issues on tribal lands that affect state budgets. And, and those are, you know, can relate to education, health care, uh, corrections, addiction, uh, you know, big costs that are spilling over for all the voters. And, and again, they're, they're our neighbors, they're North Dakota citizens, and we've got to work to, uh, uh, work to uh, make sure that we can not only return to normal uh, in terms of traffic flow, freedom of movement, but we've also got to dig in on some of the big issues that, have, that affect uh, tribal populations more than the rest of the state and work with the federal government, because in my mind, the whole, the whole reservation system that the, the federal government spends tens of billions of dollars on but gets, gets awful results uh, in terms of any out measurement of outcomes has, has to be looked at. And maybe with this new administration, we can take, a, take an entire look at how that works. Just a few minutes left with Governor Doug Burgum. Uh, we, as we're watching the camp being emptied out, and you know there's been dozens of arrests today. But there weren't a lot of people who took 
the state up on the offer of you know the bus tickets and the hotel rooms. I think I think there were just five bus tickets issued, just four hotel rooms. And I'm hearing a lot of those people are going to other camps in the area. You know, and there's been some established on private land, and I'm I guess I, I don't know everything about those camps. But obviously, the, the the presence of 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 some of these activists, some of which have not been very peaceful or law abiding in the past, has got to be an ongoing law enforcement concern. How many do we do we have a sense of how many are actually moving out of the area, or are we just filling up these other camps? We we we're, we're always uh, trying to be as precise as we can with our uh, intelligence on numbers, but understanding. Uh, in these camps, what the actual you know population numbers is very difficult. We do think a fair number of people, uh, perhaps more moved than left, as you're suggesting, Rob. I think that's an accurate uh, generalization. Uh, would have gone across over to Sacred Stone. Sacred Stone uh, has received an eviction notice uh, that I believe now has got four days left till the eviction notice takes place. And with the Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, there was about 20 officers here. Recently, that was up from what it was pre-protest, but only in the last couple of weeks that number has risen to 80. There's now 80 officers uh, that are on uh, on tribal lands. That includes uh, people from the, the you know the Department of Interior. So there are some folks down there that would be a national park ranger, but they've got their you know their badge, arresting capable people. So we have uh, a, the largest law enforcement presence yet on the south side of the Cannonball. And we continue to work closely with the federal government to make sure that the that the that, that the Standing Rock tribe, uh, who has asked the protesters to leave, the city of Cannonball has asked the protesters to leave because their lives have been completely disrupted uh, in Cannonball, uh, and so everybody's on board on that. But we need to make sure that we establish the rule of law in those camps because having having a camp is one thing, but having a camp that is that uh, that has so-called security that prevents law enforcement from going in, then you see the kind of things that we have uh, we know have gone on uh, in the camp. And whether that's, uh, you know, drugs or abuse or of elderly or, you know, kids that are there that, uh, you know, should be in school. I mean, you see all of these things. If you have no law enforcement, you know, we need to make sure there isn't any part of North Dakota that's ungoverned, whether it's on tribal land or on federal land or on state land. We've got a caller I want to seek in real quick. Just about a minute left. Go ahead, Dana, real quick. Okay, good afternoon. Um, Governor, I'm glad to see things are going peacefully down there for the most part. And my question is, uh, do they have any estimate on how long it's going to take to complete the cleanup? Thanks for the well, call, Dana. The, Governor? The, thanks for the call. The, the Corps of Engineers uh, really getting on the ground inside the camp with full freedom of movement for the first time today, so they'll have a better estimate. But it's going to be weeks uh, we're racing against the clock. Uh, but, again, we've taken 240 roll-off dumpster loads out of there, and I think just eyeballing it, we know that that's not even half of what needs to come out when you start looking at the structures. And if there's a soil remediation that needs to be done from uh, leaking batteries, cars, propane tanks, uh, the fires that were set yesterday, I mean, you know, we're talking weeks of uh, weeks of effort. How many dumpsters did you say have been taken off? I think the count, 242 so far. Wow. Well, Governor, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And those are the big those are the big roll off dumps. The big roll offs. The These wow. are the big roll offs. And uh, our best day yet was uh, we got fifty out of there. Uh, we need we need to get back to some more days like that because you know it could be uh, yeah you might weeks of that to get it all out. Governor, I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, that's Governor Doug Burgum. We'll wrap up the show right after this. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Not a lot of time left. We're a little long with the governor. Read a couple of these emails out. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, as a taxpayer, since the tribe invited the protesters, they should foot the bill, not the U.S. taxpayer. Um, well, I listen, the uh, the tribe, they're U.S. and North Dakota taxpayers as well, to one degree or another. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's entirely fair. I mean, it's hard. You know, yeah, the, the tribe invited a lot of the protesters here, but it got out of hand. And as the governor said... You know, the tribe really didn't have any control over the camp. They didn't really have any idea who was who was in charge of the camp. I think it would be very hard to prove liability if you tried to take something like that into, into court. Uh, let's see. Another emailer says, Iron Eyes should do time for inciting a riot. Well, listen, Chase Iron Eyes and everybody else involved will get a fair hearing in court and will have their opportunity to make their case uh, for, for any charges against them. I, I think the state of North Dakota has done their best. It's been a... It's been a tough situation um, created by the protesters. I think the the story out of this, I don't know if it's the one that's going to make it into the history books. You know, I, I hope I hope the narrative in the in the history books is not the protesters narrative because that is a false narrative. The right narrative is that they came to North Dakota, political extremists descended on our state and our law enforcement responded with honor and professionalism. And, you know, they deserve our thanks for that. Anyway, uh, let's see. I, well, we're, we're pretty much out of time. Natil, any last thoughts? You know, I think we've had a really good show today. I, I was really excited to have the governor on. He made some really good points and uh, gave a lot of really good information. And now I guess all we can do is keep sitting back on our heels here in the eastern part of the state and waiting and watching what happens. Looking at the live stream, it looks like the camp is clear at this point. Oh, uh, good. And there's may- maybe just a couple of dozen people left sort of milling around down on the ice of a creek or a river. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get them in custody or get them out of there and this whole thing will be over. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. You can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Congressman Kramer on tomorrow for his weekly town hall with us. He's hosting a town hall in Fargo right now, which I heard got pretty hot. We'll maybe uh, talk with him about that tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Where the wind blows, baby, you can bet. I'll be riding high with it, holding on for my dear life just like I always did. Close your eyes, baby, take a breath, say my name, and I'll be there. My love will find you anywhere.